Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. If we really want to develop a hunger for the feast of God's Word, it starts with, before we even open our Bibles, let's open our hearts. Wendy Speak is joining us today on Focus on the Family, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller. John, today we're going to talk about something we may not think a lot about, feasting, and not just like a Thanksgiving kind of feast or Christmas feast, but feasting on the Word. Mm. And I love that metaphor, I guess, because we should be doing that. I think sometimes we're anemic, if I could say it that way. We don't feast enough on the word of the Lord and then allow it to penetrate us and put it into play, right, to, to see our own story in God's word. And that's what we want to talk about today. You know, John, just to set this up for the listeners and the viewers, you know, focus, we've got five core areas that we're trying to connect with you on, evangelism and discipleship, which is like today's program, marriage and parenting. Advocating for children, that's our option ultrasound effort and foster care Mm -hmm. effort, and then engaging the culture. How do we engage the culture winsomely and in a way that uh, promotes the gospel and promotes God's truth, even in the face of resistance? Mm -hmm. So those are the things we're always trying to bring you here on the broadcast. And today, we're going to talk about the journey of being a follower of Christ. Right. And Wendy Speak is uh, an author. She's a speaker. She's really passionate about uh, coupling God's Word with uh, testimony, with life, and connecting God's Word to your life. Uh, She has a great book uh, that we'll be covering some of the content in uh, today. It's called The 40-Day Feast, Taste and See the Goodness of God's Word. And uh, this is an excellent resource. We would commend it to you. You can find out more about Wendy and the book uh, on our website. The link is at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. You know, John, as we kick off here, and before I introduce or welcome Wendy in, with Scripture, here's a great example where if we only read the Word but we don't do the Word, mm-hmm. we're in a bit of a trouble, I believe, with the Lord. Because in James one twenty three twenty four, it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. What a description. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the way you know you're rooted in Christ, and doing his work is when you're doing his work, right? Not just looking like you do the work. So I think that's a good reminder as we kick off today. Wendy, welcome in. Wow, you know, that was such a great introduction. I'm like, wow, we could just camp out on that last bit that you said. There is a following through and being a doer of the word, but then we could talk about the fact that as we truly engage in God's word, God does the doing in us, and if it truly has taken root, that manifestation, like the fruit of his spirit, should start growing on the laurels of our lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and in the meantime, until we are more patient, until we are thinking about others above ourselves, there's still so much content in God's Word about how to actually live it out. So there's work for us to do on the outside, as we live more like Christ and do what it says. And then there's work on the inside as he grows us and transforms us as we abide in his word. I mean, it's just, it's a a mystery and it's also clear. It's just wonderful. Yeah, and and it's lifelong. Yes, I mean, that's one of the things too is you, in my opinion, I don't think you ever arrive to perfection. We're constantly battling being in this life and being sinners saved by grace. And, you know, you can get 
pretty far along in that continuum, I believe. You know, I love the older great-grandmas and great-grandpas that just seem to have it all together, right? They're just so calm and so uh, deep in the Word of God, Mm -hmm. and it's so wonderful to see. Let me ask you uh, the consumer problem we have in our culture, and we're going to cover a few of these areas that influence how we read the Word and apply the Word. And certainly culture pours into this. I mean, we get distracted, we get busy, we get influenced by things that pull us away from reading the Word and doing the Word. So how does it affect us? Yes. You just said how we do it. And I think that the bigger problem is that most of us don't Mm. engage with it. And there are a number of reasons. And I think that that cultural pull is one of them. I think that we have so many things at our fingertips from the things we eat and drink to the phones that we, you know, scroll through incessantly. I'm reminded of Jesus' invitation to come to him when we're weary and heavy laden. And he is the word made flesh. And so I think that that's a really good um, analogy for us here. Why do we not go to the word when we are weary and heavy laden? I think it's because there are things right there at our fingertips that feel more immediate, can get the job done, give us that fast dopamine release. I can reach out to a friend. I can text a friend. I can look at people who are, quote, friends online, but I don't really have relationship with. Yeah, no connection. But somehow I get filled up in a way that didn't really fill me up. And I I can drive through Starbucks and get another sweet latte. And I can go to Amazon Prime and binge watch another show. But the invitation has come to me. Come to the Word made flesh and come to the Word, and I will give you what you need in this life. So you said we're consumers, and yet we're malnourished. You used the term anemic. Uh, Why is that? And I think that number one is we're consuming the wrong stuff. Right. Amen. That's so true. Let's get into this idea of feasting. I think some people, and I, I know people, I know family members of mine who have embraced Christ and believe in Jesus, but that application is hard when they read about a metaphor of feasting in the Bible or goats and sheep, and it, it doesn't come too easily for how does that apply to me? Um, and that's just, I think, understanding. I mean, I, I'm not sure, but in that feasting table, how do we... Um, those that are eating steak versus those that might be eating soup, how do we nurture them into a deeper part of the meal? Right. Um, Sometimes it takes discipline to develop a hunger. Mm. And so we have to actually acquire a taste. And it's hard to acquire a taste when we're not feasting. And it's hard to acquire a taste when we're reading it that's more like checking a box. And so... I tried to, during these 40 uh, daily devotionals, become really practical. I don't want to just talk about that we should. I want to give some help in, okay, but let's do it. Yeah, the I want to. Let's do it, though. And so there are three practical things that I suggest. And it's kind of like a bookend and the middle. It starts with asking the question, am I here to hear from the Lord this morning? Am I here to taste and see that he is near, that he is good, that he is speaking to me, that he has something that he wants to communicate to me, that he wants to shape me into the image of the son he loves? 
is that really about to take place? Is that really available to mm-hmm. me right now? One of the chapters in the book that I love so much is that I had a pastor named Pastor Keating in Escondido, California, and he would take the podium and he would put a hand on either side of the podium, look out at the congregation and ask that question, did you come to hear from the Lord this morning? <laughs> and then he would good. take a pause and we would all sit there like, oh, yeah, that is why I wrangled my kids up, herded them like a bunch of cats into the car seats and, <laughs> and made all this effort to get here. I have come to hear from the Lord. And so I, I love to think of coming to God's Word. If we really want to develop a hunger for the feast of God's Word, it starts with, before we even open our Bibles, let's open our hearts. Yeah. Let's open ourselves up with that question, why am I doing this? Right. Do I want to taste and see how good he is? Is he here? Is he actually going to meet with me? And you got to slow down for that question. So true. To answer it. Yeah. And then there's reading it slowly. Learning to read it slowly. That doesn't mean you have to read a big chunk of scripture. It doesn't mean you have to do the most deep, inductive Bible study. And then at the back end of it is asking questions at the end. What did I learn about God? What did I learn about myself? And how do I, back to our original point, how do I live differently as a result? Right. And that's a good application of the of the book and what you're looking for people to experience, which is wonderful. I want to roll back to a couple things, though. One is a pretty profound statement that you made that you loved going to church because you felt you were loved at church. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's pretty profound. I'm not yeah. sure everybody understands that. Or if everybody experiences that. It yeah, certainly should be they what did. they experience, but not always happening. No, I think it was special that I had that experience. And I know that others have. A lot of people have Bible wounds, I call them, or church wounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a topic that's actually being honestly addressed in churches. Um, How do we not inflict (laughs) those wounds in a culture that is so uh, counter-biblical? Mm-hmm. Um, How do we become a people like Christ, embracing people within the church? But I was. At a very young age, I was taken to church, I mean, from the beginning. Yeah. Um, And there was a woman named Ruth Gosting, and she would – she had the squeakiest little high-pitched voice, and she would say, (laughs) oh, Wendy, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. And everything about her voice, her tone, her face. All inviting. It – communicated she actually was glad I was there. It's hard to not be happy you're there too when somebody's happy that you're at church. And so she, she would sing in her wonderful voice, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. But I believe Jesus loves me. The Bible told me so because Ruth loved me and told me so. And my mother loved me and told me so. And so I was surrounded by people that told me that God loved me. And this love message was communicated through his word. So why wouldn't I want to open it up as a child? Wendy, you said something a moment ago I want to come back to because people experience things differently. Yes. Um, But that whisper of the Lord, that Mm -hmm. nudge, I think so often, boy, in our marriages, in our parenting, as Christians, 
we tend to want the thunderstorm. We want to see yes. the lightning. Uh, maybe even in the direction we need to go in our lives, right? So we're pleading for the Lord to speak very loudly to us so we mm-hmm. don't miss it and we get it. And oftentimes the Lord is in that nudge spot. It's not going to be an overwhelming hand clapper of a of a voice that you'll hear in your thoughts or you know in your spirit. So speak to that slowing down that you mentioned a moment ago, reading the word and sitting and asking God, how does this apply to me? Yes. And then waiting to hear something from him. And what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, I, if there is one word that I would describe how to read the word, it would be the word slow. Yeah. Slowly. Why not? Where are you going? Well, I, I went, um, <laughs> oh, it was about four years ago and uh, I went to Israel and it was really cool. I was there with a couple of other authors and um, just deep, insightful, Jesus-loving, gospel-loving women. And um, as we went, we had a wonderful tour guide. As we went from one location to another, he would say, okay, Wendy, you read this, and you read this, Ruth, you read this. And he'd pass back the microphone, and we would read from the Word, pretty much a, kind of a setup for where we were going next. And... Um, but every one of us, every time, he would yell out as we started to read, slowly, read it slowly. And it was jarring. So we would start again trying to read it yeah. slower. And then he would do it again. He would put his foot on the brake a little bit as he was driving and raise his hand off the steering wheel and say again, slow down. These are God's words spoken to you. Mm. And that is the why behind slowing down. God, again, before you read the word, are you re- am I really here to hear from you? And then during it, wait, God, these are your words. You speak to me from your word. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. What do you have for me? I mean, what, what are you Pretty telling simple. me about you yeah. that I don't want to miss? What are you telling me about me? that I don't want to be blind to? And what do you want to communicate about what it looks like to now do what it says? If I rush it, let's go back to the feast metaphor. If I gobble the feast, if I ingest it without digesting it, (laughs) I'm going to end up with a bellyache. Oh, yeah. Good metaphor. So let's slow down. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Your marriage can be redeemed, even if the fights seem constant, even if there's been an affair, even if you haven't felt close in years. No matter how deep the wounds are, you can take a step toward healing them with a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive. Our biblically-based counseling will help you find the root of your problems and face challenges together. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you find out which program will work best. Call us at 1-866-875-2915. Here's a new way to celebrate life. Create a baby quilt. As our thanks with a gift of any amount, Focus on the Family will send you an easy-to-make happy baby quilt kit. It contains everything you need, except the batting, for a quilt and extra blocks and border for other projects. Put it together and give it as a gift. Or donate it to a local pregnancy medical center. Bless a mom with a baby quilt that you create. Find details at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash quilt. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash quilt. 
Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Wendy, uh, we stopped there, which the right follow-up in the book, uh, the acronym for FEAST, helps Mm -hmm. us to figure out what we need to do. So let's go through that. FEAST. Now go really slowly. <laughs> no, slowly. <laughs> uh, you know, and I think that, um, I think F right now is just my favorite of the acronym. Okay. It starts with the why. And like I mentioned, the why is a who. This is about friendship with God. That God would create us to be in friendship, to be in fellowship, to Which be in relationship with yeah. us. That he would then extend friendship to us in the garden. And that's a feast. Like before he made us, he planted what we needed to feast, a literal feast with him. Mm. He planted fruit-bearing trees, self-propagating root systems, filled the earth with, with animals. He prepared the feast before he even created man. And then he created man and invited him into friendship, fellowship, feasting. And so that's the F, is before I even begin to feast on God's word, I start with, this is an invitation into friendship. This is a person Mm. to engage with. We read the word not to know the word, but to know God. We read the word to not know about Christ, but to be in relationship with God through Christ. Mm -hmm. And so let's start with that F, a friendship, a fellowship, before we even get into the rest of the feast. E, okay, now we're going to do it. We're going to eat it. (laughs) That means you're reading it. You're consuming it. And that doesn't mean you have to be on a fast track and read a lot each day. It can be verses. It can be passages. It can be a chapter or a short book of the Bible. So then you do the slowly, read it slowly, eat it, consume it. But then you don't want to hurry off into your day, right? Let's keep the pace because we don't just want to ingest it. We want to digest it too. So A is for applying it. And it's back to those questions, simple questions. God, what are you telling me about yourself? What are you telling me about who I am in light of doing relationship with you or avoiding relationship with you? And then how should I live differently given what you've just told me in your word? And then let's see, we have F, fellowship, E, eat it, A, apply it. S is savor it. And this is again, I mean, we could use the S for slow. Take it with you as you go. Don't just check that box and run into your day and forget. Mm. But savor it. If there was a verse or a a topic or even a word that leapt off the page and into your heart, don't forget it. Savor it. Meditate on it. Jot it down on a post-it note. Shove it in your pocket or your purse. Pull it out. And then as you savor it, commit to that T, which is be transformed. Mm. God's word isn't meant to distract us for five minutes, 15 minutes in the morning so we feel like good Christians, it should make us look more like him and less like us. We want to be transformed. We want to be, as you mentioned, doers of the word, not just readers of the word. So commit then as you savor it, as you meditate on it, to then allowing it to transform you. Hmm. 
Wendy, it can sound so simple, but it has to, you know, you read the word and I'm hearing you clearly, then you have to let it change your heart Mm -hmm. and it has to affect you so that you are different because of your relationship with Christ. I think it'd be helpful for some that may struggle with that. Again, back to that story. How do we do that? What are the the ways, if you struggle, if a person is struggling with, I read the word every day, but I, then I get on my way with my my life and my job, and yes. I don't really apply it. There's times at work I maybe should say something, or I feel the nudge of God to mm-hmm. say something, and I don't. So how how do you consistently then apply the word and and know that you're doing it you know i think it's possible to get in the word and not let the word get in you yes you know there is a uh, a very familiar verse i have hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you and i think we could maybe uh translate that into i have let your word get into me so much that I'm shaped by it. Mm. It doesn't leave my mind. It doesn't leave how I live. It's in me. I still have all my natural tendencies, but it stops me from following my natural tendencies. It's in me. I, I love that I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's like hearing God's voice from within. When we close our Bibles, we can't close the Bible. Right, because it's, it's in you. It's in you. Right. And so God speaks to us from our, the pages of his holy communication, and then we can't get him to shut up <laughs> because he's still there doing it as we take him with us. Yeah. The dry spell. Let's hit that one because yes. people do hit a, a patch and I've done it, you know, where sure. you're busy, things, the load of life takes over and you're not mindful enough to say, okay, slow down. Let's make sure we're reading the word. And, you know, uh, you just hit a patch where, Lord, are you there? Well, where have you been? Right. And that's the question. I'm always there, but I haven't seen you lately. Uh, address the dry spell and how to correct that. Dry spells can occur for so many different reasons. Mm. I mean, it, it can be, I'm just so stinking busy. Right. It can be, I'm just so stinking happy. I'm not in touch with my need. You're content. Right? Mm. And, and, and you can full. even feel close to yeah. God until you're not so close to him because you haven't been spending time with him. And then there can be, for some people, they have a hard time spending time in God's word when things are difficult. For me, that's when I'm actually oftentimes more drawn to his word. I think of the woman with the issue of blood. I got issues, and I'm fighting my way into his presence. I'm pushing people out of the way to get to his presence, and I do that in his word. So there can be lots of different personalities that encounter God's word for different reasons, which means there are lots of different personalities and reasons why we fall out of our, our, our habit of sitting with him and feasting on his word. Yeah. If you find yourself in that season, back to um, those two words about how, um, you know, are we reading it as a discipline or are we reading it because we're hungry? If you have found that you're actually not hungry, you're not alone. Go back to the discipline 
of reading God's Word. Yeah, and Wendy, I, I think right at the end here, it's maybe, I don't want to simplify it to a temperament issue. I tend to lean that way because yeah. I, I know myself, you know, I know how I'm wired and what God, the bent that God has given me. I'm extroverted. I could get distracted very easily, those kinds of things. I, I think to end here, it'd be good to address kind of the two bigger audiences of how we yes. read the word and apply the word. One, I would say, is right with you. They get it. It's Gene. Gene is right with you. You know, have that hunger, have that discipline, apply it to your life, do it regularly, if if not daily. And then the other camp, which may struggle, especially if they hit a storm, they don't necessarily move into the Word to find sanctuary, mm. to find safety. Mm-hmm. It feels to them kind of counterintuitive when we know it's not. That's where you want to go. Uh, but speak to that again, that personality that may not, in the storm, feel like the harbor is doubling down with the Word and doing more in the Word so that you feel uh, you're in a safe place, even though everything's going crazy. Yeah, let me go back to that same scripture of Christ's invitation. Come to me. Come to me. We know that Christ is the Word made flesh, and his invitation was a very simple, come to me. Mm. And so my invitation is to get a copy of the 40-day feast, not because it is the feast, but because it just might awaken your appetite for the feast that is the word of God. That is well And said. I have you at the end of every short chapter, read a chapter of the Bible, feast on it, and answer those three simple questions, you'll develop a little bit of hunger. And as we say goodbye on day 40, you'll be ready to really feast. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a promise. And uh, if that's where you're at, get in touch with us. We want to be there for you. You know, we have caring Christian counselors who can help as well, along with many, many resources. Over 45 years, I think we've covered the gambit on what you might experience in this life. But this is a great Um, again, a great tool to learn the discipline of feasting on the Word of God, the 40-day feast. And if you can support the ministry and be part of the ministry, helping others, that's kind of Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We'll send it as our way of saying thank you for your partnership in that way. And if you can do that monthly, that's great. One-time gift is fine. If you can't afford it, we'll get it to you because we believe you need to be in the Word of God. So get in touch with us is the key there, and uh, let us help you. When you reach out, uh, donate generously as you can, and make sure to get a copy of the book by Wendy Speak, The 40-Day Feast, Taste and See the Goodness of God's Word. You can donate and get the book when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Wendy, again, thanks for being with us. This is really good. I always love time with you guys talking about the Word and (laughs) uh, inviting listeners to join us. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break here and then return with another faith-building program for your family. Stay tuned. 
Hey parents, Parent here. If you're searching for biblical and practical tips for your kid's specific age, you know, with all that extra time you have, well, you can stop. Focus on the Family has weekly age and stage emails that bring the tips to you. Each week, I get an email for my son that I can read on my phone and put directly into practice. No more sifting through junk on the internet. I can focus my time on being intentional. It's easy. Visit MyKidsAge.com, add your kid's age, and get to parenting better. That's MyKidsAge.com. Today on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly, we'll explore how digital technology can affect your family so much so that you might need a long break from it. I know detoxes, but you know your kids like nobody else. And you've been watching them for the last two weeks and you're observing what dose of technology or dose of digital entertainment kind of sends them into a tailspin. We need to view interactive digital entertainment more like doses because of the way it affects the brain. So, you know, observe your kids and and be confident when you're making these rules and these parameters for your kids. That's Molly DeFrank, a concerned mom who wants to help equip your family to establish some healthy tech boundaries. And we'll hear more from her today. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, here's a billboard surprise. Uh, We all know digital technology, smartphones, tablets, uh, internet, are generally good for finding information. Can you remember back to how we used to get somewhere before smartphones? Do you remember the microfiche we would yeah, use totally. at the library, the little Oh, I uh, used the Thompson paper books. Things? So okay. you bought these books, you know, for LA or wherever and you'd have to go to page 17 and then but man, GPS has made our life easier. It really has. So the point is, technology itself isn't the problem, but when we overdose on technology, it does become a problem. Here's an eye-popping statistic. On average, our children are into technology seven hours and 22 minutes a day. Now, half the audience just said, woo, we're, we're not there, that's great. The other half said, oh my goodness, we've got to cut back on uh, our kids' tech, right? Almost a full day's work spent <laughs> yeah. on the screen. Yeah, I, how do they go to school and sleep and all the other things? But listen, we battled with it too. Gene and I, with our boys, we had the same issues. Uh, we did well at times and we did poorly at times. Don't, don't feel judged. <laughs> We're going to today talk about technology, how you can corral it so that your children can have a healthy Uh, childhood in their developing years and not be overrun by technology. Yeah, and I mentioned Molly DeFrank is here, and she did a really interesting experiment that we're going to talk about today. Uh, Molly is an author and speaker, and she and her husband David have six children, ages 14 to 7. She has a book that captures a lot of her stories and insight. Uh, It's called Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids. You can learn more about it at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast. It should say kids of all ages. (laughs) I feel like I need a detox from time to time. There you go. Molly, welcome to Focus. Thanks so much for having me. It's so good to have you. And I I talked with you before we've come on here just to say this is like a pressing issue. This is one of the top issues we hear from parents is what do I do with technology? So it's really good that you're here today, and we're grateful that you'll pour some wisdom into people. Now, first of all, who's got the kids? My amazing <laughs> husband has Does the he kids. Really? Yeah, he's six, the best. Six kids. That's awesome. Yeah. 
and uh, he's got them all. So he's probably uh, having a busy day today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're kind of loving it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on a vacation. It's wonderful. Well, listen, I shared that alarming statistic about the average usage of technology for children, seven hours, over seven hours, almost seven and a half hours. Uh, what kind of impact is this excessive usage? And some people may say, is that excessive? I don't know. But it is. Just let's start there. But what kind of impact is that having on the kids? Oh, it is huge, Jim. You know, you don't really have to go far to find an expert that's going to tell you that this is a problem for our kids. It's affecting them in so many ways. This digital entertainment is actually rewiring their brains. It's numbing them out instead of helping them to connect with human beings. Um, It's preventing them from being able to cope with everyday setbacks. Um, The opportunity costs are enormous. It's also a huge part of it is what are kids not doing? What talents are they not honing? What what um, skills are they not practicing? Um, It's actually really interesting, the research that's coming out. Kids are starting to develop something they're identifying as virtual autism, where, where young kids are presenting like they're autistic. But upon closer scrutiny, it's not autism. It's just that they've been so numbed out on their devices that they aren't experiencing, you know, running around outside. So they're not behaving socially in a normal way. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that or I understand that. It's really terrible. And parents are starting to see it. You know, 85% of parents say that their kids' relationship with their devices is stressing them out. So if you're listening and that's you, please just know that you're not alone. You're actually in the majority of parents. Mm -hmm. And the good news is that you don't have to stress about this. You don't have to wring your hands. You can just roll up your sleeves. And with a couple simple steps, I want to help you get in front of this and get back in the driver's seat when it comes to your kid's technology use in your home. Let's start there. Uh, You had the aha moment. Describe what was going on in the family and that moment you went, okay, we got to get a hold of this. Yeah. Well, like most parents whose kids were born in maybe 2010, that, that time period. You know, the iPhone came out in 2007, the iPad came out in 2011, and we really bought into the marketing. And the marketing said, hey, if you want to raise little rocket scientists, give them technology early and often. And so we did. I remember I had a little um, iPad case for the back of my uh, driver's seat so my kids could be entertained. But like most parents, I started to see as the, the years went on, hmm, where are those little rocket scientists? Instead, what I'm seeing is epic meltdowns. You know, it was like, zombies of kindergartners going on in the home when you take away the screen. And so we're we're left scratching our heads like, what, what, what's going on? What went wrong? Meanwhile, the thing we weren't told is that the very people who create this technology wouldn't let their kids near it. They're some of the strictest parents because they know what it does. So back to us and our family. Um, we bought in. My kids played with the devices. They they did. I thought we were responsible. We were one to two hours a day of digital entertainment for our kids. And still, we saw these negative effects. One day, I came home from running errands, and one of my sweet little babies greeted me at the door, not with, hi, mommy, but can I play on your phone? Yeah, where's your phone? Where's your phone? Exactly. <laughs> like, I was this gatekeeper to the their next fix of dopamine. So that was it for me. That was the last straw. So I called my husband at work, and I said, hey, I think we need to pull the plug on all of it. I think we should take a break. And, you know, he was in the office full time. I'm at home. I'm homeschooling two of the kids. It's I had two three-year-olds, a new foster place. It wasn't a good time to take this on. But my husband said, absolutely, if you're in, I'm in, let's do it. So we told the kids that night at dinner. We were eating dinner and we said, hey, guys, we just want to let you know we're trying something new. You're not in trouble for anything, but until further notice, 
We're not doing any digital entertainment. So no YouTube, no Netflix, no Nintendo Switch. All of it, we're taking a break. And would you believe it? It it didn't go over very well. <laughs> they didn't celebrate? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, it was some weeping and gnashing of teeth sort of coming from the dinner table. They were crying. It was one of those parenting moments where you're like, did I make a terrible mistake? What have I done? What is it, What is this going to mean for us? And by far, that was the hardest part of the entire detox. So rest assured, it was the breaking the news to the kids. That's yeah. the worst part. So we we told the kids, you know, we're just going to try it. It's something new. Um, and by the, the time morning rolled around, the kids knew, like, do not even ask. You will be met with a chore if you ask for a device. So they didn't. And I couldn't believe it. We woke up the next morning. They were playing with the toys on their shelves. They were playing with each other. They started making up, inventing games. They made currency out of pebbles outside they started their own little they just their creativity exploded the imagination exploded exactly that's so i I give gene credit because we you know we weren't uh, our kids were born in 2000 and 2002 so they right when smartphones were coming out they were old enough to say hey can i have one of those and we delayed that for the longest time i think i think trent received a smartphone at 17 because he needed directions to drive. And because Troy was there at 15, he got that at the same time. So 17 and 15, which I thought was great advice we had gotten. Just delay it as long as you can. But the other thing that she did, I mean, we shut off cable. We got rid of TV. That was a little tough for a football fan like me. But we did it, and probably for like 10 years. I mean, it was a long time. But she said what she observed was exactly what you observed. I mean, they played. Their imagination came alive. They'd go four or five hours playing together with Legos and other things. And that's good. Absolutely. It's incredible. And you don't really appreciate how much our kids are being numbed out and how much their imaginations are being stunted until you go through this digital detox. Yeah. Uh, You have a model, an acronym, UNDO. Let's start there. Explain what UNDO is, and then we'll get into each of the letters, U-N-D-O. So what what do they stand for? Yeah, so every successful detox that I've helped parents with has these four components. You can remember it with that acronym. So the U stands for unplug, cold turkey, two weeks. Okay, a lot of times parents will say, well, can we just, you know, cut down on the consumption? Can we just keep, you know, maybe one show a day, 30 minutes of screen time? No. So let me explain why. Um, First of all, if you have a little bit of screen time, a little bit of gaming waiting for your child at the end of the day, they're just going to be buying time until they get there. They're going to be moping around waiting to get that fix. So what you want to do is you want to clear it out. You want to you want them to realize, okay, for two weeks, I don't have another option. So I better figure something out. And you want those wheels to start turning. Okay, the second reason is what you're actually doing is you're resetting the dopamine levels in your kids' brains. Mm. This is the piece that I didn't know when we detoxed our kids, and this is why it's so effective. So, you know, dopamine is that neurotransmitter. Um, It's that feel-good chemical that's released in the brain when we experience anything pleasurable, enjoyable. So, you know, eating a delicious bite of chocolate cake, dopamine is released. Well, these geniuses in Silicon Valley have taken what we know about dopamine and they've engineered it into their games, into their apps that our kids are playing all day. And so there's so much dopamine getting released in the brain that dopamine receptors are actually numbing out. Well, why does that matter? It's because now when your kid puts down the device and tries to enjoy real life, they can't. They're not getting the same dopamine hit that they do from their devices. So that's why your kids say, oh, that's reading is boring or playing outside is boring. So it's not 
entirely their fault. It's There's a physiological change happening. And when you take it away completely cold turkey for two weeks, you're resetting those levels. You're giving your kids a chance to appreciate nature, to appreciate real life, to appreciate yeah. downtime. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com slash radio. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com slash radio. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Molly, we've got unplugged or unplugging. Okay, what's the N in undo? The N is my favorite part of the detox. It's notice your kids like never before. So you already know your kids better than probably anyone on the planet. But what you're going to do is now you've removed this filter of passive numbing out for your kids. And you're going to zoom in and see what's going on in that little brain of theirs. You know, what makes them tick? How are they uniquely wired by God? What are their talents? What are their interests? And you are going to feed those things. So let me give an example. Before our digital detox, my three oldest kids... If you ask them, what are your favorite things to do for fun? Each of them would name a different video game. And I thought, well, that's fine. That's normal. That's how kids play these days. Well, after our detox, they would each name a different sport or drawing comic books or, you know, uh, doing Legos. And I, I got to know them so much better. I got to know how they're wired, what they're good at, how God designed them. And then I got to feed those interests. So it's really incredible. You're going to get to know your kids better than ever. And the other piece of that is getting to know their vulnerabilities a little better. So if you have a kid who, let's say you've got a 13, 14-year-old who gets anxiety talking on the phone to grandma or whoever, or they can't make small talk with the, the checker at the grocery store, you know, kids these days are not getting those experiences. So how can we put our kids in situations to practice those things that historically kids have been able to practice, um, taking those risks and helping to flex those muscles for them? So it's really fun thing we get to do as parents to cultivate our kids. And these things are so subtle that we may not even notice them, actually, that they're not developing those skills, those normal human behaviors that, you know, they should. So that's really critical. Okay, we have the U and the N. What about the D? Okay, the D is develop a list of screen-free fun ideas. So shortly after you break the news to your kids about the detox, which I mentioned, brace for impact. It can be a little stressful, but you're going to be okay. You're going to sit down with your kids. You're going to bring a delicious treat, make it fun, bring a great attitude, even if you're a little stressed. And you're going to you're going to make a list of ideas for what they can do during this detox. Um, and the purpose of making the list is really twofold. The first is that if you're, you know, down in the trenches there, and I'm with you, parents, I am in the trenches. I got six kids. They're, <laughs> uh, you know, seven to 14. So I get it completely when, when everything is stressful. But 
when the days get really hard and you're in that pressure cooker, sometimes you're taking a call from the boss or you're, you're trying to get stuff done around the house and your kids are whining, you're going to be tempted to give in and say, oh, just take the tablet or just put on a show. And so when you get in front of that by making this list, brainstorming ideas with your kids, you slap that puppy up on the fridge and you tell your kids when they say, I'm bored, they're getting stressed out. You say, look, I have to take this call. I have to make the doctor's appointment. You can choose something from the list. You can make something else up. You can do a chore. Okay, those are the options. And it will help you have somewhere you can go when your fuse is running a little short and you're tempted to throw in the towel. And the second reason and probably the more important reason for making the list is you're showing your kids they have everything they need in their minds to think of an idea of what to do, to, to look at the beautiful world around them and think about the way they're wired and how can they even look outside themselves and, and their neighbor? How can I bless my neighbor? How can I use what I'm good at to love my neighbor, love my siblings, serve my family? And in the culture that we're in, you know, we're so inward focused. We're so all about creating comfort mm -hmm. and, and entertaining ourselves that it's such a beautiful opportunity to give our kids to show them a different way. Yeah. So that list uh, in practical terms, I mean, did you have five things on there? 10 things, 15 things? You can have as many as you want. And I actually have um, like 100 ideas on my website. Oh, They're great. free. If anyone wants to go at mollydefrank.com, you can download them for little kids and for big kids. And I would just encourage parents when you're sitting down and doing this exercise, think about your childhood and and throw some ideas out there. Think about, is there a goal that your kid has been trying to, to reach? You know, it, it could be something so simple and tiny, like they still don't know how to do a cartwheel. Okay, master the cartwheel over the next two weeks. Wait you a know. second, John, do you know how to do a cartwheel? I would not even attempt to do so <laughs> right now. I never mastered that myself. <laughs> okay, that's the U, the N, and the D. What's the O for and undo? Okay, the O is open the books. Okay, parents, you are giving your kids the most incredible gift by instilling a love of reading in them and doing it early. Um, a child who who has who does not love to read has not yet met their genre. So if you're listening going, ah, well, that doesn't apply to my kid. My kid's not into books. Can I just challenge you to try again? Your job as parent during your detox is to be matchmaker for your kids. Um, I thought before our detox, one of my kids, just not a reader. Well, it turned out I was trying to give him the same books that another one of my kid enjoyed. He doesn't like those books. So right. I had to move over to the children's nonfiction section. So, you know, let their teachers, you know, if you're a homeschooling mom, you can do that when you're talking about homeschool. But what you're trying to do is instill a love of story. And we are humans that are wired to love stories. So you just got to work a little harder and you can do it. Yeah, those are good things. And I think our hearts are pre-wired by God, frankly, Absolutely. to hear a story. That's why he spoke to us in parables, yeah. right? That's why he told us stories. Um, once you're through that two-week detox, you recommend a family have a technology plan. What are we going to do from this point forward? That probably is kind of the crux of the yeah, whole issue. I think you could probably grit your teeth and grind through two weeks of detox, then what? So this whole second half of the book is about how to create a long-term plan to sustain those results for your family, but that don't make you feel like you've entirely moved off the grid and you have to get rid of all of it. So I have tools in the book to help parents kind of create that plan, and you're going to use your observations from the detox to create that. So I know detoxes, but you know your kids like nobody else. And you've been watching them for the last two weeks and you're observing what are they good at? How, what dose of technology or dose of digital entertainment 
kind of sends them into a tailspin. And that's how one child psychiatrist actually explains it is we need to view interactive digital entertainment more like doses because of the way it affects the brain. So, you know, observe your kids and and be confident when you're making these rules and these parameters for your kids. Um, You know, those parents that you're describing, probably most all of your listeners are that type of parent that are they're conscientious and they're trying to get this thing right and they're following the guidelines set by their doctor and they're still seeing the negative effects. And first of all, let's just kick the shame and guilt out out the door. That there we don't need to have that in this conversation. I know it can linger there, but let's just get it out. Um I just want to encourage you that you can roll up your sleeves and completely change the setup. And it's so much simpler than you think. Um And the other thing I just want to encourage you with is we're living in this culture that's telling us that, well, everyone else is doing it this way. This is just the way it is now. Yeah, that's usually an alert to say, okay, I got to pay attention here. (laughs) Exactly. It's okay to opt out. So, you know, and we talked already about the opportunity cost with our kids' um, talents, with their gifts, the things they're not doing. But there's another huge piece of this for Christian parents, and that's just the discipling of our kids. That's the worldview formation. And... Everything has changed since I was a kid. We used to have it where you turn on the TV and you only have access to things that could be shown on TV. And now you hand your kid a device with Wi-Fi and the rating system is gone. Parents are the new rating system. So we have to be diligent, especially as our kids are little, when we're still training them up in wisdom and discernment and worldview. And we are keeping those floodgates from flowing over and um, really causing harm in our kids. So I would just encourage you to listen to your intuition, um, you know, seek out community that can support you in this and and just make that decision. If you and your spouse, you think this is something you need to try, go for it. You will not regret it. Yeah, and we haven't really touched, right here at the end, we'll touch on it, but as your children become teenagers, you know, you're in that spot right now with a 14-year-old, but 15, 16, certainly 17, what are kind of the characteristics that you want to see in that maturing adult? I'm really glad you brought that up because a detox for a young kid looks completely different from your teenagers and your tweens. You know, you can tell your little kid, no more devices. But when you're talking to your teenager, it's a little different because that role of parenting changes as our kids get older. We go from really authoritative to handing them more and more freedom because once they get out the door, we want them to be capable of making those Yeah, don't go off to college and just flame out Exactly from all the freedom. Exactly. So if you've got a tween and a teen, I recommend doing your detox a little bit differently. Um, Number one is get some skin in the game for parents. So, um, you know, explain to your kids, humbly have these conversations, tell them what parts of your own digital entertainment, digital use is sticky for you. If you're like, man, I like social media. It can have a really redemptive use in my life. But if I'm not careful, I will get sucked in or, you know, I feel bad after I'm on Twitter or whatever it is. So share that with your older kids and say, hey, we're going to do this thing. Here's the plan. It's going to be fun. It's a challenge. And I'll give up my social media. You know, you want to take a break. Um, So I would say get some skin in the game. And then the other thing is try and sweeten the deal for them. If you got older teens and it's more like they get to choose to opt in or not, I make it a challenge. Put some cash on the table. Say whoever makes it this long, you yeah, know, we'll, interesting. we yeah. got 50 bucks at stake or 100 bucks or whatever you want to do. Also grab some friends. The goal here is not to cut our kids off from relationships. The goal is to build those relationships. So be the house that has the kids over. Create spaces for our kids to connect with their friends in real life. 
Yeah. You know, Molly, lastly here, I think, um, especially older teens, they actually get it. Now, it's like somebody with any addiction. They're not going to come right out front and say, no, I I would like you to take this away from me. But I think when you have that discussion, when you have the communication going, and it's rational and understandable and even backed up by data, which helps, um, they get it. You just have to have the relationship to be able to say, okay, what can we do to help in this situation, right? Absolutely. And our kids see it. You're you're spot on. Our kids see it in their friend groups. They see it in the classroom. Um, I had a, a friend who's a high school teacher, and she was explaining to her students the way things used to be and how we used to not have smartphones. And after school, they'd go jump on the trampoline and, and read magazines. and <laughs> Break a leg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she asked her kids, like would the, her students, she said, would you, do you have any interest in that? And more than half the class raised their hand and said, I wish it was that way huh. instead. And that was really powerful because it, to your point, kids know. And especially as believers, it goes back to what you just said about relationship that we have this powerful influence as parents in our kids' lives and this magical window between probably four to 14 where our kids think we're cool still, you know, and they're <laughs> listening to us. And if we think something's awesome, they think it's awesome, like the Steelers, for example. Yes, for some people. <laughs> yeah, for some. <laughs> but, you know, we, we uh, unfortunately, if we don't take a minute and, and take a closer look at our kids' digital entertainment consumption, we are going to be wasting away. We're squandering away this time. And we see that God gives parents a lot of space to parent our kids individually as they're wired. And he doesn't demand that we, you know, thou shalt feed your kids organic food all the time, or he's not so specific. But so where he does speak to how we parent our kids, we better listen. And you look back at Deuteronomy 6, and you look at Moses recounting the commandments to the people, and after he does that, he says to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. And then in Deuteronomy 6, 7, he says, parents, teach these things diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And today in our culture, all of those little in-between moments are occupied by a device hmm. and it's time to take them back. Well, that's great, Molly. This has been terrific and a powerful half hour. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for being here with us. And what a wonderful resource, Digital Detox. Uh, We've got it here for you. Uh, Again, we're hearing from parents. This is a major issue in parenting. Get a hold of us. That's our whole goal here is to equip you with resources that help you in your parenting journey. So don't hold back. Uh, Get in touch with us. If you can make a gift of any amount, monthly or one-time gift, we'll send it as our way of saying thank you. And you can get in touch, donate, and request this book, Digital Detox, when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And if you do this detox and come up for air, or even if you don't go to the detox level, but you really need some help uh, about the entertainment world, the games, all the things kids are interacting with, stop by our Plugged In site. Uh, Boy, that team has been uh, taking care of parents and helping equip us so we can make good decisions and, and help our kids learn discernment uh, for years and years. Plugged In is a wonderful resource. We've got all the details at our website. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.
Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.